This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with Friday Night Drive, and I am talking here with The Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin. As we get you caught up on playoff football, some um, some more uh, playoff uh, fall sports that are taking place as well. So a um, lot to talk about in this week's episode of the podcast. We're going to do four quarters this week. Um, first quarter, we are going to recap a Loyola win over Naperville Central, advancing to the state 8A quarterfinals. In the second quarter, we catch up with Bob Spagnoli, who after a long coaching career, um, is retiring, so Joe caught up with him, and we'll hear from um, Bob about his uh, career. In the third quarter, we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we preview a huge matchup between Lincoln Ways and Loyola and talk some state uh, swimming as well. So um, why don't we get things started here in the first quarter, Joe, where um, I wouldn't say we were – well, we were pretty wrong. I mean, we I think we expected this game to be much – closer and better than it actually was um luckily for the ramblers they got off to a pretty commanding lead uh early on um and uh they beat uh naperville central uh 36 to 7 to advance to another quarterfinal matchup um i just um i think we were like looking at their ranking when it came to naperville central and thought man like they're better than their ranking like why is loyola playing this team um, but um, it became clear that maybe uh, the rankings this time for how much we like to give them a hard time, they were uh, pretty spot on. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, a lot of things happen in the course of a, of a football game. Um, and, I mean, point blank, though, Naperville Central just didn't have it, especially in the first half. Um, they couldn't move the football, and they couldn't stop Loyola. I mean, right, <laughs> obviously that's – those are two things are going to kill you if you do that every drive, and uh, it was – it was very surprising. I think, you know, all of us were, you know, on the sidelines, at least, you know, the object, objective observers were just like, I did not see this coming. I think my prediction was around 16 to seven or 20 to something um, under, under 30 for both teams. Um, and Loyola just went through them like butter. Now, <clears throat> early in the game, like I said, it wasn't Naperville Central's day in the first half. They just, they didn't have it. They, uh, I think on the second play or the third play, they had an errant snap that lost 15 yards. There goes that drive. The second, their second drive, I think another fumbled snap that they recovered, but there goes third down. So two of those drives were just crushed by kind of odd plays and Loyola took advantage. All of a sudden it's 14-0 uh, and, and you're in a hole to Loyola, <laughs> which is, you, you ain't climbing out of that with any sort of ease. So Loyola on the offensive end, really impressed by their game plan, really efficient. I think Jake Sterney, I'd have to look back. I think he completed his first 12 passes um, and they were very just, you know, smart passes, very, very accurate. Of course, um, like we've talked about before, their passing game can be an extension of the running game where they do these quick, these quick outs to Danny Collins or these quick other passes um, to some other receivers that have stepped up like Charlie Mahon has stepped up. Um, into that receiving core and just very strategic and knifing through. And Mike Regan's a very good runner and very um, effective at getting them 
um, in the good um, down and distances. And then they put in Kroots, um near the goal line, and he's he's a bull. They also put in, by the way, it was in Neil's story, Mike Williams, who's their all-conference uh, defensive lineman back there, which was fun. I hadn't seen him back there yet, and he was uh, clearing the way for Kroots. So two defensive players making a big difference there. Um, and Sterney got took care of business. It was 33-0 um, pretty darn quickly. So um, Loyola just took care of business. You're not, you're not erasing a 33-point deficit in the second half. I don't know how much time you need to do that. But the uh, second half was a different ballgame, but it was decided in the first. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, it seems like Kruitz is getting more and more uh, action running-wise. I mean, um, I know Regan is still uh, working a little bit here in the um, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, what do you feel like this is just something they're going to keep on employing now that they've seen that um, he's been successful? I mean, I don't know what um, I really don't. I don't think we have an update on Marco Maldonado, whether there is even a chance that he's planning on coming back um, for the playoffs, obviously, after suffering that injury. Um, I don't know how the timeline works up with that, but um, just Cruz getting into this. I mean, he had a big game in Mount Carmel. He's been playing recently. I mean, um, how unexpected is this? Um, for a Loyola team that obviously seems to be able to run the ball with no matter who they throw back at there. Yeah, I was really surprised when it happened. And, <clears throat> and that was a couple weeks ago, I think. Maybe, was it the Providence game that they debuted it? Um, yeah. I think so. And then it, it kept getting action. I heard, you know, Will Nemeshine, the sophomore, who, who, who um, had some big plays when he was brought up, he tweaked his knee too, uh, or his leg, or his ankle. I can't remember, but he had he had a bit of an injury, so he hasn't been in the backfield with any consistency since that breakout, and that kind of led him to, to to give Kroots more than just goal line. But when you when you're inside the five, uh, I think he really likes that look, and he being Coach Halasek and his staff, um, I think they really like that look, and he gets positive yards on his second touchdown. His first one was scored with pretty pretty easy kind of just walked in the second one Naperville stopped him on the first two uh, plays I think they started at like the six or seven gained three yards gained two yards but they stopped him at the goal line but then that third one he got in so they're gonna keep giving it to him they trust him with ball security they trust him to get positive yards it's a very heavy set so they they like the push that they get with him back there uh and he's tough to take down so um I think you're just gonna get that in goal line situations at the least and uh, short yardage and maybe in some surprise situations too. Um, it's, uh, it's a good look for them. And I think he's got five or six scores. Yeah. I think this offense is something that we've been talking about throughout the year, just um, how much are they going to be able to live up to the moment? And um, again, it seems like every single week that they were just truly able to do that. I mean, um, the offense uh, had a 226 rushing yards compared to Naperville central at 50. I mean, Sterney completed 16 of his 19 passing attempts for 140 yards. Uh, Loyola ran out to a 33-0 lead. Um, it just seems like this offense continues to click, and we haven't really seen much adversity from them, um, other than maybe some struggles against Mount Carmel. Um, and uh, But I really can't think of a time where we really saw the offense um, really struggle to score, um, unless I'm forgetting a moment. Yeah, I think the one time that comes to mind is against Fenwick. Uh, the first game right. without Maldonado. I think they were still figuring it out. Mike Regan had a great day, but they had trouble putting it in the end zone. I think they had three different drives and inside the 10-yard line, maybe four, something like this, something crazy in the red zone because they just couldn't punch it in. But they've seemed to figure that out. 
and uh, they'll be tested going forward. They're not, I, I don't expect them uh, to, to run up 30 point leads um, going forward against Lincoln Way East. And then I think it would be, um, uh, now I'm blanking, but anyway, um, going forward in the quarters, semis, and, and hopefully the finals. Um, obviously, it'll be a little bit stiffer for them, um, but it's efficient. I think it knows who it is. Their running game, I think we talked about it before. We expected them to run it, and uh, just Sterney was was uh, making big plays with his legs, and then his arm was just very accurate and careful and strategic, and um, he made a great touch, um, touch pass for a touchdown to Charlie Mahan over the shoulder. Um, he had another one to Danny Collins, um, just a very, you know, um, I, I always try to avoid the word simple, but that's what it was. Danny Collins broke open on uh, coming across the middle in the end zone, and he was wide open, and he hit him. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's a very good team, and they've played good teams, so they're, they're battle-tested um, on the offensive end. And we haven't talked about the defense, but they created two turnovers early too. So um, I think they're, they're dangerous there as well. I mean, the defense allowing only seven points in the first two rounds of the playoffs, um, obviously very consistent. Always something we were used to here with the John Hollisek defense, but um, still being able to create turnovers in both games and uh, limiting both opponents. I mean, um, can, have we learned anything about this? I mean, obviously we've seen them play for nine games at this point and um, at the two playoffs games. And I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say they're particularly, um, they've been challenged in either of the first two rounds of the games, but have we learned anything about this Loyola team in the first two weeks of the playoffs? I mean, have the margin of margins just been too big where um, they really haven't been tested for the past two weeks? Yeah. Naperville central didn't test them deep as uh, much as I thought they would. I remember one play in the first half that they didn't connect on that. They might've had a, a bit of daylight there, um, but they didn't really have a chance. You know, Loyola was up quick and, they couldn't, you know, Naperville Central kept shooting themselves in the foot. They had the um, interception by Jamie McCabe as well. They fumbled a, um, a Loyola recovered a fumble. I think they actually caused a couple more that weren't called, um, that were called down. But anyway, um, I, I, I don't know if we can draw too many conclusions unless we really see them pressured in a close game. That being said, the second half of this game in Naperville Central, uh, a lot of discipline issues. Um, and I, I don't mean that like, um, <laughs> I, but I don't mean that like, uh, you know, players getting in a lot of trouble, but there were personal fouls. There were um, penalties that are uncharacteristic of a defense. They were able to get away with them because they were up by, you know, 30 points, but um, not something Holosick liked to see. I think he called that out. Um, some might've been ticky tack. They called a, a penalty on a, a big hit by James Cruz, where, you know, in high school football, where sometimes you see one of those huge hits because, Sometimes the level of skill is that much different between certain players. And it, I think the refs just think it's a penalty because it looks like a kid was hurt on the play, uh, but it was just a big hit by a big time player. I think that's what happened on the Cruz penalty. Um, but a couple other ones where there were a little pushing and shoving and it was uncalled for in a game when you're up by 30 points. So um, they had some problems with the neighborhood central quarterback. I think I saw uh, who, who had a block on a loyal player after a interception um, that Central got, but doesn't need to happen. And I think you can't afford that in close games. So they have to button that up, but I think they can be mean. I think that Loyola defense can bring it. And I think that's what we saw. Uh, we'll see if they, that we've talked about it before, if they have a weak link, maybe it's the deep ball, but we haven't seen them this postseason yet. 
Right. Um, all right, we'll talk more about their matchup against Lincoln Way East in the fourth quarter. But any other uh, playoff thoughts you had um, other than Loyola as we end the first quarter here? I know Mount Carmel, obviously, a um, little controversy with them being able to take away uh, um, a win there on the last uh, few seconds. But any other uh, playoff thoughts before we move over to the second quarter here? Yeah, the 7-8 bracket is so interesting. The Batavia-Mount Carmel game was special. Um, and them scoring on an untimed down is going to cause some controversy. but. Uh, I saw the the plays and it looked like at least it was a it was a 50-50 call and it was probably the right call um, in that one. But they're you know that bracket's so tough. I think they played Brother Rice now, so it's like right. Batavia, Mount Carmel, and Brother Rice might be the top three teams in that whole bracket in the whole seven A, and they all got to play each other. So that's tough. Um, in eight A, Warren losing was a big surprise. I thought uh, they'd keep pushing, but their offensive kind of um, lack of firepower showed, showed its head um, in their matchup. Um, who'd they lose to? Why can't I think of the team? They lost to uh, Glenbard North. Thank you, Glenbard North. And um, Lockport beating the heck out of Glenbard West was a surprise, too. <laughs> so uh, go South Suburbs. Lockport really looks like a team to be uh, reckoned with here um, at, at, with an 8-1 and one record. Um, and their one loss was to Lincoln Way East. So that's a good program, too that that Loyal is about to see so uh just some thoughts it's been it's been a good postseason and i'm gonna interested to see if we go a couple classes down lamont versus east st louis lamont's been scoring 70 points a game they are not going to do that against east st louis <laughs> i'm gonna see what happens in that game that should be interesting yeah and the 8a bracket also a uh, local school gbs taking down hinsdale central so oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. titans moving past there they've got a uh, Marist on their schedule, who just destroyed South Belgium 30 to seven and Maine South holding on with a 21 to 18 Plainfield North win um, or a win over Plainfield North. Uh, um, some interesting scores looking forward, but yeah, it should be an interesting break and we'll get more into it in the fourth quarter. Let's go over now to the second quarter where uh, we hear from uh, new Trier coach Bob Spagnelli. Joe, I know you uh, caught up with the coach about his retirement. Uh, what are the folks at home going to hear? So yeah, Coach Spagnoli has been with um, Nutrier for 30 years, and he's been uh, most, you know, for the last chunk of that, the running backs coach and just a well-respected and beloved member of that staff. And he's retiring after the year, after a great uh, career in Illinois high school sports. And uh, we're gonna, we'll, we'll have a story on that later this week, but uh, we run the gamut. So you'll, you'll just hear a, a slice of that. All right, let's take a listen. In your football career coaching, kind of walk me through. I know currently, are you the running backs coach? Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, I, I started out in 1990. Chichikowski was the head coach. And, um, you know, Chick is just such an icon in our, in our sport, in our state. Um, really, a, um, a, a, a somebody that I just have the utmost respect for. Um, in in our sport, and I learned so much in such a short amount of time from Chick and his and everybody on his staff. You know, I think back to when I, when I came in at you know at age 24, and I'm working with um, Mike Darrow, um, you know Joe Byrne, Denny Hall, myself. I mean, Chick. I mean, you know, our staff was you know much significantly smaller. Gene Helfrich. Um, you know, those guys and how those guys took me in and how those guys helped me out. And I was a defensive line coach, you know, my first year here, I was on the varsity. 
and had some tremendous athletes. You know, coached a kid, Yusung Park, who was second team all state. And um, you know, we had a you know first game of the year. We were seventh in the state. We we're ranked seventh in the state. Um, and you know, just again over the years, have been really fortunate to coach some tremendous kids. And the majority of my career, I, I was I was coaching offense or defensive line. And then I was asked um, by Matt Irvin, when Matt Irvin was the head coach here, to take over running backs when Bob Levin retired. And Bob Levin was a longtime assistant coach here who was super well-respected for running backs and what he did with our with, with our long, long, long history of, of running backs. And, um, you know, it was an honor to, to do that. And, you know, I've told the running backs ever since I've been working with them, you know, we're going to take a lot of pride in what we do and, you know, securing the football and, you know, pass pro and protecting our quarterback are going to be, you know, real high priorities. And I, you know, I could get anybody who wants to score a touchdown, but I can't get anybody who wants to protect a quarterback or, you know, wants to stand in front of, you know, a blitzing linebacker. You know, that, 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 you know, that's the job that nobody wants. And, you know, we got to find kids who want to do that. And we got to find kids with that desire. And we've been really fortunate to have kids um, who've excelled there and who've done a really good job for us there. And, you know, Nutrera's has always had really good student-athletes. And I've been really fortunate to coach a whole bunch of them. And it's, and it's, and it's, again, it's just a really special place. Did your kids play sports uh, when they, while they were growing up? They, they, they did early, you know, and it was tough because, you know, I coached every year and I coached almost 12 months a year. I mean, I only got a couple months off and it was tough missing their activities and to say I've got a rock star for a wife, you know, would be an understatement. And my wife, Kathy, really had to pick up a ton of that responsibility when I was in season. And she, uh, you know, she's really the, you know, the, the mortar that holds all the bricks together in our house. And, you know, I could have never have had the career in the, in the coaching, uh, you know, time commitment that I've put in without her. 32 years, it's, it's, it's tough to ask you things like <laughs> greatest memory or some, some memorable players or moments, but anything particular stick out? say some of the greatest moments you know I mean like wow um, <laughs> I would say in football you know when we beat Maine South in 2016 for the conference championship that that was special you know because they have Brian Dow come back be our head coach and to get that job and to have the goals that Brian has set and that was just, you know, one of his goals. 
and Brian is, you know, Brian's doing tremendous things here. And that was certainly special. But that's not the end of the goal. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not the end of our, our rainbow here. You know, so I would say that's certainly up there. Um, you know, but, I mean, you know, having kids go off, you know, you see kids like Michael Vincent, you know, who's snapping on, you know, every Saturday on NBC, you know, playing at, at Notre Dame. I mean, you see kids like Matt Kasky, you know, you watch him on TV, you know, playing up for the Panthers. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you put that in words? You know, I mean, Max Rosenthal catching a, catching a touchdown in the big house, hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you know, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you rank those? It's just all so awesome. To say, you know, that you just had, you know, just an easy, easy, part of that kid's life. That's pretty cool. You know, because I don't for one second take credit for any of that. I just take an easy, teensy fraction of helping that kid along the way. Thanks so much, Bob, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches for joining us every single week. Always appreciate it, your guys' insight. All right, we're halfway through the podcast. Let's jump on over now to the third quarter where we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game where I send out some statements and we say whether way it can happen, no way it cannot. All right, Nick Falk made school history by finishing um, in the highest in school history at the state meet this past weekend. Um, so way or no way, Joe, that the New Trier boys uh, cross-country runner is the best runner in New Trier history. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I guess you'll have to say he's the best runner in the boys' side, right? I mean, he ran the, the, the lowest um, time, um, record-breaking time in 14 minutes, 14 seconds for three miles. Yes, that's 14 minutes for three miles. Uh, that's bananas. I think he said, uh, when we spoke with him, he ran the first mile pace where he was at like four 30. Uh, I can't imagine that being a pace and not a sprint for right. my goodness. Uh, so really cool stuff from Nick and, and, you know, school record was second best in the state, but still, um, you gotta give it to him. Let's not forget on the girls side though, who've had some just, um, all staters just since we've been around the the Ackerman twins and Mimi Smith right after that. Um, it's just, it's a very storied program, but this was the best finish for the boys since 1962, I believe. So you got to give Falk a uh, uh, credit, maybe the best, I'll, I'll say way the best runner in school history. Boys. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you there. Um, maybe it's recency bias, but I mean, the time just do say it. I mean, he obviously um, set the school record and I think, uh, um, just being able to do that, especially with all the great runners that Nutria has featured throughout the years, um, definitely puts them up there and definitely helps them earn um, that tough spot. All right, we got state uh, girls swimming and diving happening this weekend. Um, so way or no way, Joe, pretty simple question. Nutria wins the state title this upcoming weekend. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon, man. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I say way. This is an impressive team. Um, every time I look at the, the numbers and the results, um, just the times they're putting up and the finishes and the places and the points for the team uh, really impresses me. And um, I think this team has, it, has what it takes. Um, so I think 
we can chalk up another title for we will be chalking up another title for uh, the Nutria girls swim team after this and probably some some um, um, individual entry medals I should say not individual because you're going to get relays 200 medley relays super fast Carly Novline and um, Kaylin Gridley are probably going to win some titles here so uh, going to be an exciting weekend in Westmont new yeah new place for the state final um i think i'll go i'll go away with this one just because i think this team has the talent that i mean this team had the talent last year too unfortunately there was no um state championship uh meet or anything like that with um the way covid was at that certain time but um i think i'll go away with here i think this team has experience they have depth and i think that they um can definitely win a state title um moving forward or i guess this weekend all right, way or no way, that's the Loyola girls swimming and diving team who have a few swimmers and a relay team there. Um, way or no way that Loyola will have a medalist at state? Oh, I don't think so this year. Um, I think they're just a step behind. You know, their best hope is probably in the 200 medley relay, um, which they got a good squad going to state there. Um, but um, I think they're just a step behind the rest of the state here. Um, they do have one entry in the um, 100 backstroke with Maria Cheng, um, and she's in that medley relay with Mabel O'Donnell, Anna Quigley, and Olivia Rucker. Um, they finished second behind the Trebs, so I could see them getting a medal. I think the medals go out to sixth place, um, but it's it's tough competition um, when you get in those relays, so I will say no way. Yeah, I think the competition might be too tough for a medal. I think we'll probably get a top performance. I think uh... Um, obviously, Maria Chang being a freshman is really encouraging for the program. So um, maybe not this year, but I think maybe this experience will help her where maybe in a few years we'll be talking about her uh, meddling at the state finals. All right, final way or no way we're going to do four this week um, with Loyola taking on Lincoln Way East um, this upcoming Saturday for a chance to go to the state semifinals. Way or no way that the Lincoln Way East Loyola rivalry is now better than the Loyola Main South rivalry. Oh, uh, uh, it's oh man, I was gonna say it's different, but is it because their rivalry isn't so much conference local neighbors, although they are close. But that rivalry goes to Mount Carmel, right? Because they're the they're the kind of the class, the classic tops of the Catholic league. They always play at the end of the season. Uh, always a really good game that has uh, incredible finishes throughout the year. So I think that's the top one for them. And then Maine South and Linkway East. Maine South is right down the street. They've got state titles in their in their hardware case. So does Loyola. But Loyola has really dominated that quote-unquote rivalry for the past decade plus. Uh, I mean, it's dominated everybody the past decade plus. Um, except maybe Linkway East, who they they never see him until late in the postseason. Um, the teams are always, except this year, Lincoln East has two losses, which for these teams is like, whoa. Um, and Lincoln East has won these battles and gone on to win a state title. They've played in state championships. I, I think the Lincoln East battle is just more interesting to me. And it's, of course, disclosure, I'm a Lincoln Way graduate. So um, I love to see these matchups. It's kind of like I've always thought of it as they're very similar teams and they are defensive. Like reputation is their defense. And then 
certain years they'll just blow you away with their offense, like Link Ways did a couple years ago with AJ Henning, and and Loyola has done on occasion as well. So I, I think they're almost mirror images, and one's on the north side, and one's on the south side. It, uh, I, I love this rivalry. I think it's better than Maine South. I think just because Loyola has dominated the Maine South one for the past decade. I think this rivalry is really these two. The difference in these two rivalries is really interesting because. Um, obviously when I was a student there, Maine South was beating Loyola and stopping them from getting in, in these scenarios, like the semifinals and uh, the state championship game. Um, I also think it's interesting because I think more Maine South and Loyola kids like know each other growing up and that kind of stuff. Um, so you kind of have that uh, rivalry factor um, as well. Um, but I think I might side, I forget how I asked this question, but I think I'll just side with the um, I think outside with the Lincoln Way East rivalry being better, just based on um, obviously, like you talked about, the two teams are very similar, not exactly carbon copies of each other, but they're pretty close where um, they both feed off of the same style of play. Um, they are both very dominant for the past decade. Not that Maine South isn't dominant. Obviously, Maine South is a very dominant program who's won state championships as well. But um, I think I'd agree with you where um, I think. They're pretty close, but I think the edge, maybe this is recency bias too, because Maine South, Loyola being Maine South, what was it, a couple of years ago to advance in the state uh, in the state playoffs. But um, I think maybe just recency bias a little bit here, but I think I'd go with Lincoln Way East being the bigger rivalry um, just because of who the programs are and um, how great those games have been also whenever these two teams play. So um, I guess I'll go away there as well, that Lincoln Way East is definitely the better or is the better rivalry. Um, than Maine South. Yeah. But that's, uh, well, so why don't we dive into that? Let's jump in now to the fourth quarter. Um, let's talk about that rivalry match between Lincoln Weast and Loyola. Loyola heading into the matchup, winning 11 games this season, um, plus the games that they won in the spring. So they still have an undefeated uh, 2021 record. Lincoln Weast finished uh, currently at nine and two losing uh, a game to Sandberg, which was a tough game. Um, and then um, obviously being able to recoup. I've seen both these teams. I think I saw Lincoln Way East kind of when they were starting to kind of turn things around. They're definitely a very young team um, compared to what they've been last year or the last few years. But what are you expecting in, the, in another edition of this matchup here, Joe? I mean, I'm expecting two well-prepared teams. I mean, another aspect we talk about are, are these are two longtime coaches. Um, Coach Volnar in Frankfurt has been the coach of them forever, literally. They, I mean, they're only 20 years old. Um, they started in 2002. So, and, and Holosek's been there for a long time, and both are very playoff successful. They, they bring in the playoffs no matter their – while, of course, they usually have good seeds because of their regular seasons, even if they don't, um, you don't, you don't want to draw them in the postseason. Um, they're ready to play. They're tough as nails. And so I expect them both to be ready. Um, now, I do think Loyola's uh, this year has, has Lincoln Ways outmatched, um, it, both in, in seniority and talent level this year. Um, you know, I look out for Lincoln Ways in the next couple of years, but this year, you know, just looking at the scores from Lincoln Ways, you know, losing to Sandberg, I think that's the first time they've lost to him maybe ever. Um, and Sandberg is always a decent but not great program, similar to kind of like a Nutria, if you will. Um, where they'll, they'll pop up great years here and there, but really just a solid five and four team. Uh, they did beat Lockport 12 to 10, but they struggled against other good teams, you know, 21 to 18 against Bradley Bourbonnet, just an okay, good team. Bowlingbrook is, 
down not great this year, 21-13 win there. Lost to Naperville Central early, early in the season. Um, and they've really struggled to put up points against good teams. 12 against Lockport, 21 against Bradley. Now they put up 37 last week in the second round of the postseason. So I wasn't at that game. Are they peaking right now? Are they really reaching their potential um, and, and starting that momentum rolling downhill as they're moving on to the playoffs? That is what I think is going to play out on Saturday in Wilmette. Is, is Lincoln Way East really hitting their stride now while Loyola has been um, at that peak for, for most of the season, especially the last few games? So um, that's what I'm most interested to see. I think um, Loyola's got the advantage between the offense and defense, you know, East's offense versus Loyola's defense. Loyola's defense is, is, should win that matchup. Um, but can Loyola score, score consistently is what we'll see. Yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. I think I agree with you with the faction of um, I don't think Lincoln Way East is at the level that Loyola is at just based on the experience that they've had. And um, obviously they've had those two tough losses, which I think I've, we've le- seen them learn from where um, they beat Lockport, like you mentioned, and then uh, kind of struggled a little bit with Bradley Bourbonnet. But um, just based on watching them, when I watched them beat uh, Homewood Floss for 24 to 6, um, the defense is able to uh, – create some situations and um, still a young defense and offense that's kind of figuring things out at that point. But um, I do think that this matchup is definitely something that um, maybe if this happens in a year, I think this game might be a little bit tighter than what it is now. Um, not that this will be a blowout by any means. I, I We'll get to the predictions later, but um, I don't think this is going to be a game where Loyola wins by 20 points or 30 points like they have in the past couple of weeks. But um I do think that Loyola probably has the advantage in every category if you want to look at it. I think offensively they have the advantage. Defensively they have the advantage. Uh, Special teams they have the advantage. Coaching, um, you could say what you want. I mean, both coaches are obviously very, very successful coaches and um, who have done a lot of winning in the IHSA playoffs. But um, I think when you look at it, I mean, just paper-wise and um, just talent-wise, I think at this point in time, um, Loyola just has the advantage practically everywhere you want to look at it. Yeah, I think so too, but I do think it's going to be a good one and a fun one. Um, definitely a fun one. Uh, these two teams match up. You got two of the, these are the top two 8A teams over the past uh, 10, if not probably 20 years, probably 15 for sure. So uh, always great when they, when they match up this time, it's in Wilmette. Um, we've seen it in Frankfurt before too, late in the postseason. So like you said, a rivalry, it just goes back and forth. It's fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope, I hope they're having as much fun as we are. Um, and I'll be out there on Saturday. So I do think Loyola has the advantage, and uh, I expect them to I expect them to win. What do you feel like is the most important thing that the Ramblers do need to do if they want to um, feed Lincoln Way East? I mean, is it defense? Is it offense? I know I ask you this question every single week, but um, as, based on who Lincoln Way East is, is as a team, um, who really needs to show up on uh, Saturday for the Ramblers? I think this whole postseason it's going to be their defense because they're specifically their their third level, their their secondary because I think that's where they're they've they they've shown a weakness in the season and I think they've worked very hard at shoring it up, um, especially on both sides, right? Um, both in their coverage as well as in their pressure, um, just the you know, whack teams out of their, out of their schemes. So um, their pressure was really good against Naperville central. Um, I think that's where they'll have, they'll have to keep that pressure strong and they'll have to stop the deep ball and loyal. I'm sure Lake is going to try to throw it. 
you're not going to run 40 times. You don't have the Justin Jackson type like Glenbard North did um, about seven, eight years ago to just push, you know, stay on the field for that long. And Loyal is not going to let you do that. So you're not going to get in front of the sticks that way. Going to have to throw it. So I do think, again, the Loyola defense, their secondary is the most important um, aspect to this game. And I think if they, if they show out, um, Loyola wins this game by a couple scores. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. All right, let's get some predictions out of you. What do you expect happens on Saturday? <sighs> yeah, got to give it to Loyola winner. Um, I, you know, as much as I'd, I'd like to see a Griffin's upset, I don't know about like to, um, but just cause they're my alma mater, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, but, um, I think Loyola's just got, like you said, they got that check mark in nearly every category and uh, if they play their game or close to it, uh, that's a victory. And I do think they're as much as we just talked about how link ways, could they be peaking? I think Loyola is at a very good point in their season as well. And, um, they're, they're relatively healthy. Um, their defense is looking good, and it seems like their identity on offense is really um, solidified. So I'm going to say uh, it is going to be a couple scores here, and I'll say Loyola um, 28, Lincoln Way East. Um, I'll say they get to 17. All right. I think I'm going to I'm get you going seven below you. I'm going to go 21 to 10, uh, a Loyola winner. Um, I think the defense probably will allow around 10 points. I think Lincoln Way East can move the ball, but um, I think that defense is just going to create turnovers as it has um, for much of the season. And the offense is going to um, give them a comfortable lead um, heading into the fourth quarter. But um, it should be a great game. Make sure you are keeping up with uh, coverage for all of that. Um, and make sure you're keeping up with the recordnorthshore.org for uh, all this uh, swimming that is taking place um, over this weekend as well. Uh, just a quick reminder before we say goodbye that you can subscribe to the pod- podcast anywhere that they're available make sure you check us out give a nice little review as well um and make sure you spread the word while you're at those athletic events as well and make sure to check out my stuff at friday night drive as well um we've got a lot of good stuff going on here with the playoffs happening so for joe and i thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road see ya Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.